Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. This is a Spawn Daily episode. We are talking about Cygor, six-issue mini from uh, Image Comics. This one's kind of interesting. Blake and I went back and forth on whether to include this. You know, the, the whole reason we're doing the, the reading order is to celebrate 30 years of Spawn, 30 years of Image Comics, and, and really get caught up to the modern day with the uh, kind of connected Spawn universe that McFarland's trying to create with Scorch and Gunslinger Spawn and King Spawn and all that. So, yeah, I mean, Spawn doesn't actually show up in the series. Cygor is somebody that Al Simmons knew. So where, where does it fit in? But we ultimately decided to include it because he does show up later. He does show up later and, and relatively recently, like within the last couple of years, he shows up. So we decided to include it, but it is, it does have a very different feel. It, it definitely leans into the idea of, of Spawn and the Spawn universe as a horror comic. Uh, it gets pretty gory. It's kind of out there. Uh, Rick Veach, if you're familiar with his work, he's done a lot of Swamp Thing stuff. He does a lot of horror. Um, and the artwork is kind of out there at times, too. So uh, we're going to there's six issues. So we're going to kind of blast them pretty fast. Just give a quick and dirty rundown. Um, but you should get an idea of, of what the series is all about. And the other reason that I wanted to include it is because I did have people that reached out to me on the Spawn Discord uh, that asked if I, we were going to cover the Cygor miniseries. I was like, yes, we are. He's a fan favorite. People love monkeys. I don't know what it is. So uh, really cool cover that we see there. Cygor kind of you know tearing through the cover, coming out at us. You see the one cybernetic red eye glowing. Uh, so here we have the... Uh, the front cover story by Rick Beach, as I said, arts by Joel Thomas. Is I think that this is some of the, you know early digital digital uh, artwork, almost digital painted at at times. Um, but he he does the color digitally as well because you see there's no uh, color. Actually, I take that back. There's a color uh, color artist um, credited, but no inker. So letterings by Richard Starkings, uh, colors by Todd. 
broker, Jay Photos, Drew Hutchinson. And it starts off. And what's interesting is the whole time throughout the series, you see some kind of dual narration, right? We know that, yes, it's the brain of um, of this guy, Mike. What, what's Cone? How do you say his last name again? Konieczny. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a Polish last name. Konieczny. Yeah. And so he the whole idea with the cybernetic gorilla was supposed to be 80 percent man, 20 percent gorilla and, and cybernetic. Right. With this computerized mind. But they accidentally flipped that. So he's 80 percent gorilla, 20 percent man. But still, whenever he tries to do higher function or heal himself on the battlefield or do any of those kind of things, the, the programming sort of takes over. So you get this programming language. But when he's when he's just speaking, even when he's doing these flashbacks like this, it's very kind of broken, very primitive language. Uh, and he latches on to things like, in this case, remembering a, a time when he was in a car accident with his mother, when he was looking at his his shoes. Uh, and you see when he pictures his mom in his head, he's picturing an, uh, a gorilla, which is which is kind of interesting. So, um, again, car accident, he equates that with, hey, I was torn apart by this scientist who turned me into this gorilla. Now, we know that's not actually how it went down. It wasn't, he was a little kid that got turned into a cybernetic gorilla, but, you know, in his mind, 80, 20, that's what happened. But what's actually happening is he's being transported after the scenes, uh, I think in Spawn 59, where he's found in the alleyway. So he's being transported. Uh, he wakes up, he breaks out and uh, you can see him there looking pretty beat up um, again from that fight that he had with Spawn. Um, and then we're, we're introduced to this guy who works for Jason Wynn, who's uh, sort of in charge of um, of the SIM project, as they call it now. So his name's Morty. He's this old grandpa guy who's hanging out with his son and or his grandson, rather. And when he hears about uh, the SIM breaking loose, he's like, eh, we'll, we'll come up with a cover story. He doesn't seem too concerned about it. He's he's definitely. He's more concerned, and we'll see this throughout the, the series, he's more concerned with covering his own butt than like actively doing his job well. Uh, and he certainly doesn't care about any kind of civilian casualties uh, or anything like that. Uh, and we were also introduced to kind of a um, his men- mentee, I guess you'd say, um, who uh, Zevin is his name, who uh, is working for him and, and, and just, you know, got the job. And he, he's a little bit more conscientious about trying to do his job, but Morty, he uh, he's constantly giving him advice. Like, ah, don't worry about the civilians. Don't worry about, you know, it's all about covering your own butt. Um, so meanwhile, because the, uh, the SIM did escape, Psycho did escape, they're tracking him down with these helicopters. They fire a missile at him, uh, basically blow him up, collapse a building on top of him. So, we do see Zevin here. We're introduced to him. He, this other monkey comes and it, it's kind of a, a scam with these gypsies. They steal his watch. And then they, when Zevin uh, confronts them, they say, oh, sorry, our mistake. And they give him a watch back, but it's a fake. It's not his, his real Rolex. And so he totally got scammed. So meanwhile, um, that monkey that belonged to the gypsies does find uh, Sigor in the rubble. And he, he takes away a piece of him again. Spawn can be very coincidental at times. Just so happens that the piece that he takes away from them is the, the piece that allows them to track Saigor, which again, super coincidental. Um, but that being said, they do still find Saigor. We see the, the two gunmen here um, that, that find the, the monkey as he's returning to the, the gypsies. 
Um, and they're about to take them out when Zevin shows up and he's supposed to kill them. According to Morty again, Morty doesn't care about anything, but this guy's new and he still has a conscience and he actually lets them go. You know, they pretend that they don't speak English, which, you know, he talked to them earlier and they did. Um, but yeah, he, he, he decides to grant them a little mercy and you wonder if that might, uh, come to come to haunt him later on uh meanwhile they they also captured the monkey that belonged to the, the woman who she has the ability of sight so she can she gets visions um and she realizes that the her monkey has been turned into a cybernetic monkey as well um and that that really uh, horrifies her so uh now that they have the um now that they have cyborg uh back under their control they take him to this island to do some uh, repair work, because again, this the whole idea of this project Sim is to, is to create um, what happened here to create uh, super soldiers that they can. I know what why that did that super soldiers that they can use um, on the battlefield. Uh, that's at two hundred. That's why. Sorry about that. Uh, okay, so uh, issue two picks up where issue one let off. And we see Zevin here. He's flying to the place that this sort of uh, top secret base where they, they have these buoys that go around it that emit this gas, which is hallucinogenic. And it's it's kind of a way to keep it um, to keep it safe. Anybody that uh, tries to get through the fog will uh, have these crazy hallucinations and be detoured from uh, from doing it. So uh, they get there. They see here's this monkey there. uh pre-programming it with all these combat strategies about how to heal himself in battle and he's got to auto-destruct and and all this kind of stuff meanwhile the gypsies uh, again because this woman has divisions she can sense where her monkey is and she's trying to get there uh, as well and they're actually not deterred by the gas they actually damage one of the buoys so then there's kind of a hole in the the perimeter which will allow uh, other people to get in it's no longer secure so obviously that's a a worry and Again, Bork talking to superiors and, hey, we got to figure out, you know, how this happened and um, and get it secure. But unfortunately, while they're trying to do that, um, Sigor does escape. You see him there. He, he looks much less worse for wear. You know, he's all stitched up and stapled up and whatnot. And you'll notice that he has his little buddy, the mini monkey there with him. Um, you know, the, pretty much the only friend that he uh, that he thinks he has. So. Um, as they're trying to track down Sigor and, and prevent him from escaping, um, they're not they're not able to stop him. He is able to uh, escape. And once again, Mort and Zevin are doing what they do best and, and kind of covering their own uh, their own butts. And it gets it gets pretty brutal with Sigor like ripping people's heads off and whatnot. So um, what this second issue really shows is although he's. Um, Although he's this kind of monstrous ape, cybernetic, super strong, stronger than a regular ape, it, it, what it really shows is even with the primitive speak, he's got those combat strategies that are programmed in. He's actually a brilliant tactician. He's actually very formidable. And you can't think of him as just like this dumb ape. You just can't. He, he's just not that. So uh, once he gets outside the perimeter, the gypsies find him. Uh, again, this woman is can, can basically track her her own uh monkey and uh she's she wants to have him uh returned but um 
I don't th- I don't think Cygor really wants to give up his his friend. You know, he's he's like a little monkey friend. Maybe he's, you're, he's right about these humans. So happy to have monkey friend back. They scream and scream and scream. Are they screaming in horror? Or are they screaming because they got the monkey back? They screaming because this monkey doesn't look anything like it looked when she last saw him. So kind of sad. A feeling it's, it's pure horror. <laughs> yeah. Like, what have you done to my beloved oh, pet? You know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that's issue three uh, or uh, issue two, rather. Again, I, I think issue one is kind of like, okay, here's where we are. Here's the status. And then issue two is like, okay, here's m- kind of more information because Cygor previous to this, you know, even though he was this cybernetic monkey, he didn't seem like he was really smart, you know, like he was driven by this need to track down Al Simmons and then he found him and then he got his butt kicked. And that's kind of all we knew. So mm-hmm. the second issue really establishes how dangerous he is, you know, even if we're just talking about the fact that he, um, that he uh, just has the, you know, everything programmed in that makes him a, a, a brilliant tactician. So, uh, issue- makes his uh, his speak the the way that it is. Um, I believe the uh, the writer uh, Rick Feach. It was inspired by uh, articles that he had read in National Geographic about how gorillas and apes were able to learn sign language and how they were able to learn thousands of simple basic words and actually construct like sentences and be able to communicate with people through sign language. So that's one of the reasons that Sigor speaks the way that he does because of that, that sort of simple word sentence structure. Yeah. Which again, doesn't mean that, that, that he's any less intelligent, but it does give that impression that there's yeah a little bit of a juxtaposition there. So same creative team for the third issue. This one really gets weird. Uh, there's this guy <laughs> out in New York city, like, who worships this God called Kali, who's, you know, the God of death and some Indian religions or whatnot. And yeah, it gets, it gets pretty creepy and pretty out there. Meanwhile, um, Mort and uh, Zevin are, you know, along with their team are, they're doing two things. They're trying to find that buoy that's missing and get it returned and working before they get busted for it, not being there um, for it being messed up on their watch and obviously they're trying to recapture um cygor uh, but meanwhile we, what again what we learn is that there's more to, to cygor than than meets the eye like he's able to like set traps uh and you know you see him there with the buoy he hooks the buoy up to um a power supply on a barge so that it starts spewing out that fog much closer to the uh, to new york city than it probably should uh, we see Zevin confront the gypsies uh, again, um, gets his gun pickpocketed. Uh, and they're kind of turning the tables. She, she wants some level of revenge for what he did to uh, to the monkey. And meanwhile, this this guy that worships Kali, she, uh, you know, he, she's continuing to 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 maim and murder. And uh, she eventually uh, attacks Cyborg uh, herself, which. You know, I understand that you're like this supposedly undead goddess, but even you are not a match for Saigor. And sure enough, he cuts off her head and we see that she was never really the goddess. Uh, it was more this crazy guy that worships the, the goddess Kali, who was uh, sort of hallucinating because that's a that's a fantastic panel you see in the upper right there. where he, Here's how here's how he sees her head, the crazy guy with the 
pointed tongue and, you know, in the garb or, you know, appearance of the goddess, but what she actually just, you know, normal everyday, you know, blonde haired uh, person. So um, what's interesting is the, the little knife or ceremonial dagger here, or whatever you want to call it, that, um, that he had stabbed the woman with and, and, you know, in his mind infected her um, with the, the, I guess, spirit of Kali, I guess you'd say. Um, uh, Sigor takes it and actually sticks it in his brain. Uh, and, and it's called the plunder of Kali he's, that he's going to wear as like a laurel, as like, a, you know, a, a sign of his, of his victory. Um, and, you know, death has a brand new face. So ceremoniously, it's like, here's this goddess of death, Kali, who Sigor defeats. And then, you know, takes this ceremonial spike and now he's wearing it. And the, the implication is now he's the God of death, right? Like he, he has defeated the goddess of death and he himself has become the, the God of death. So again, leaning into the horror aspect, this is a really fast paced issue, really kind of creepy. And at this point, when I was reading that, I went back and read this one twice when I first read it, because the first two kind of make sense. Let's get a status mm-hmm. quo. Let's understand who Saigor is as a, you know, a, a weapon and a tactician and, uh, you know, what kind of a threat he is. Okay. I, I got it. And then we switched to the goddess Kali. Like I, I was really thrown for a loop on this one. It was, was like, what very strange. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I didn't fully understand it the first time that I read it either. Um, because it feels so far out of left field and unrelated to the events surrounding Sigor. It felt like, okay, maybe they're introducing like some kind of, you know, villain that he's going to face all the time. No, it's just kind of a one and done thing. And it, it isn't fully clear if the Kali thing was just the hallucinations of this guy, or if it's actually some kind of ancient relic that does summon uh, Kali into the body of whoever is pierced by it. It's, it's really weird and avant-garde and, it's it's cool because you know you get to see this really awesome fight between you know this goddess of death and Sigor and you know it's a, it's a pretty fast paced fight but still it's it's odd. <laughs> yeah, and it was at this point I was like, I mean, at no point does this ever say it's a six issue mini, and I was just like, okay, is this just going to be like a weird kind of one and done with this kind of throughput storyline of Morty and Zevin trying to catch Sigor? Um, Mm -hmm. while he's out encountering weird stuff and again like there is a horror aspect to spawn there's no doubt of that with you know he's a demon from hell and all that kind of stuff but i I mean the regular spawn comic up to this point hasn't been hasn't leaned into horror as much as this does and when you think about what of which of the books would be more leaning into the horror it would be the one starring the demon not the one starring the monkey the (laughs) cybernetic monkey you know that seems more like a a science fiction book but be that as it may, that's that's Rick Beach for you. So uh, if you think that one was weird, just wait till we get to issue four here. So it starts off. There's this person sculpture. I don't even know what to call it. That's in this fat of something and the eyes move around. And we find out that you're in this art gallery of this artist and it's like avant garde. And you can kind of see it in the background there. Uh, where it's just the person's torso and somehow they're still alive and the eyes move and people are freaking out, willing to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this fantastic art because it seems so lifelike. And we meet a couple of um, stooges, I guess you'll say. One guy smokes pot all the time. The other guy's brain is fried from years and years of harder drug use. 
um, and they kind of dispose of the body parts. What we come to learn is that this artist is actually taking real people and and making art out of them. And but the people that buy it obviously don't don't realize that. Um, and the artist is kind of frustrated because he feels like he's stagnating, like it's the same old thing. You know, they're bringing in like drug addicts and street people and what have you. Um, and he can't. He feels like he's he can't make anything new. But lo and behold, what have they brought them uh, brought the artist this time? But Zevin himself, who the artist calls a yuppie, and he's much more clean, and he's like, oh, he's the artist that's inspired. He can do something you know much better and, and new with this guy. Meanwhile, uh, Sigor's hanging out in the subway. He's uh, he's not feeling so hot. He's got a lot of damage from his re- recent fight with the uh, Kali, and uh, he, he's down to like one percent. Uh, power basically when he stumbles across some maggots feeding on some i don't even know what they are i don't even know if i want to know but i mean it's not gross for a monkey to eat maggots that's kind of what they eat anyway i mean a lot of protein in maggots believe it or not so he he charges up and uh he's feeling a lot better about himself meanwhile back in the artist studio we see him working on his finishing up his previous project he cuts off the guy's tongue sticks him in the vat and then we're told that He's, he's, he found some, I don't know if he discovered it or just stole it from somebody else, but he's got some specialized polymer that allows people to breathe, even though they're kind of, uh, it's almost like a fly in amber, but they can still breathe, which allows them to live for days, weeks, sometimes even uh, a month. Uh, and so, yeah, the eyes will continue to move because the person's trapped in there, but obviously they can't speak. And that, this is what he's selling to people. And yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty creepy, honestly. So um, meanwhile, uh, when they're supposed to be clearing out the rest of the stuff, these two stooges get attacked by Sigor. and you see Sigor basically bites the head off one of them while this artist is working on Zevin, uh, you know, about to kill him and, uh, cut off some arms and do God knows what to him. Um, when, uh, when Sigor shows up. And Zevin's, you know, oh, my God, Sim, are you, you know, here to save me and whatnot? And again, showing the uh, the fact that this is just not just some dumb monkey, because when the elevator opens, he he's manipulated one of the guys that he's killed and makes it looks like it's him walking off the elevator. And then we see that it's just um, Sigor basically using him as a as a puppet in a way. So big battle ensues. Um, Sigor actually takes the industrial strength uh, stapler that the artist uses and uses it to uh, heal up his wounds that he has left over from the fight with Kali. So again, showing how intelligent he really is in the, uh, in the battle here, uh, Zevin's able to uh, escape while Sigor realizing what this artist has done. Here's the, uh, if one thing you get from the story is that Sigor does have a sense of justice. He traps the, um, the artist gives him a little taste of his own medicine and traps him in his own polymer. And then, and this is kind of wonky here because it's like how much time has really passed because the one guy whose brain was really fried on a lot of drugs, the one stooge that didn't die, he's, he's up there acting like he's selling art on behalf of the, uh, the, the artist in, in his gallery. And the two really rich snobs that we saw at the beginning of uh, the issue are like, oh my God, he, he made a, a piece of art of himself. Like, wow, how avant-garde. Um, and they're going to buy it and take it home, I guess. So yeah, really creepy, really weird. And I, I don't know that I have much more to add than that. 
that pretty much sums up the uh this whole little mini series <laughs> yeah it's creepy and it's weird but that's you know there's charm in that <laughs> yeah and again i think that this idea that um that that cyborg Sigurd knows how to use tactics. You know, he uses a dummy at one point. He uses the stapler to uh, to do some repairs on himself, field repairs. So, yeah. And Zevin escapes. So, uh, all right. Issue five, uh, we sort of are, are moving back more toward the, the narrative that we were on uh, before with, uh, you know, leaning into Zevin and Morty trying to capture him and also get that, uh, that machine back. Now, we saw a couple issues ago that um, that Sigor had set that up using a power supply from a barge to pump out that fog much closer to the city. So this is actually on Christmas Eve. We're in this uh, apartment. This little boy hears a noise. He thinks it's Santa. When he goes down there and unwraps presents, Sigor shows up and then he's like, oh, my God, I, I didn't peek. I didn't peek. And he, he kind of freaks out. Um, but Sigor is actually being tracked by uh, a couple of uh, special forces rangers. And uh, he realizes he's being watched. And he goes and takes them out. Uh, we see Morty on the phone there. Um, once these uh, Rangers fail to report in, Morty calls in the cavalry. Obviously, his, people don't want to be out working on New Year's Eve that, or Christmas Eve, rather. It's kind of crappy. He's like, yeah, it is what it is, but we, we think we have a sighting. We need to go and try to track this guy down. Uh, meanwhile, Sigor actually has a flashback to when he was uh, still human. And we see him talking on the phone there with Al Simmons. Uh, he's remembering a, a previous Christmas Eve. So he then uh, takes the lights from the Christmas tree, goes back out to that uh, buoy that he set up and he uses the Christmas lights to get the buoy working uh, even, even better than it previously was. And it starts pumping out that psychedelic fog. You can see him hooking it up to the power source there. Um, so what happens is once uh, Mort and Zevin are out there looking for him, they, they run into this, they drive into this psychedelic fog. Uh, and they start seeing things. They think the three wise men are riding giant camels and whatnot. Um, and this is all, again, just playing into the hands of Sigor, the, the little boy that woke up previously. He even goes wandering out in the fog and has visions of uh, demonic uh, Santa elves and, and Santa himself and whatnot. So once uh, Zevin and uh, Morty realize what's going on, they're kind of able to um, shut off the uh the fog machine uh the buoy and they're like well you know, we haven't caught cyborg yet but at least we're out of the woods you know we can take credit for not only will we not be blamed for losing it we can be like we didn't we didn't even know it was gone but we found it we can take credit for that and morty again is telling zevin yeah you, you gotta cover your butt man you gotta take the credit where you can find it and meanwhile uh Cygor, probably due to the fact that it's christmas eve and those memories of uh of, you know, better holidays when he was still human. Uh, he's crying as he sits on the rooftop. So a little sad, poignant moment. Uh, but again, really fast paced issue that kind of foreshadows what we have um, in issue six here. So uh, moving on to the last issue again, same creative team. Um, go a little creepy in this one. We're introduced to this guy who's driving around, listen to, listening to, uh, to music and radio programs from the 50s. Uh, and, it's, and at first you're like, wait, did, did we, are we jumping back? Is this a flashback? What have you? Well, not necessarily. We also see the uh, the two gypsies. The woman's having visions again. Uh, I do like that she looks down at the sidewalk and sees the cracks in it and 
in that way, it, it um, kind of mirrors the the street uh, maps that the people are uh, that are on Morty and Zevin's team are using to try to track down uh, Cygor, and they, they have the uh, the other monkey in place once again. And uh, meanwhile, the woman is kind of wandering around in these visions when the sky almost runs her over with his three little uh, teeny boppers in the back of his car. And he gets very interested in seeing the, the, the female gypsy. Meanwhile, Sigor is trying to figure out where this other monkey is. It's his friend. He's missing. And Mort and Zevin are talking to their superiors and their superiors are basically saying this guy's the, your project this guy Sigor, he's been on the run for too long either bring him in or we'll find somebody who will uh, and what they aren't aware of is that Sigor actually let his friend the monkey be captured because he you can see the speaker there he's actually using the little cyber the smaller little cybernetic monkey to eavesdrop again showing his tactical mind so he knows what these guys are up to and, you know, that they're coming for him or whatnot. Meanwhile, the girl is pursued by the guy in the car and she tries to fight back. She throws some boxes at him and uh, he continues to chase her. Meanwhile, uh, we learn that uh, from, that Morty has known where Cygor has been all this time. He's got a different way to track him because Cygor does have that um that link to the other smaller monkey and they're able to track that. And Zevin's like, well, what, why the heck haven't we brought him in already? And uh, Morty's like, no, you got to, you know, you got to cover your butt again. He's all about uh, covering his butt. So meanwhile, we see the guy in the car uh, corner, the, the gypsy woman. And when he steps out, he's like super fat, overweight, stained clothes, just, just looks like not the kind of guy you'd want to run into in a dark alley. And that's exactly where she is. So he goes to grab her and throw her in the back seat so she can drive around with the rest of his girls. Uh, and when he goes to put her back there, he opens the door and yeah. So this guy's not playing with a full deck either. He's, he's living in the past. He thinks he's, you know, some fifties cruiser guy and some of the radio programs that were old that he was listening to talked about these three women that had gone missing way back in the fifties. Well, these are the women that he's been driving around with in the back of his car that are dead and desiccated and gross. And I do have to wonder, like, can you really drive around in New York city for, I don't know, 30, 40 years with dead bodies in the back of your car and nobody noticed, I don't know, maybe you can. So um, he does tell uh, the gypsy woman that she's got to basically pay the toll. Right. And he starts to unbutton his pants. She grabs the gear shift, throws it in gear, pins him up against the wall. And then a, uh, a truck comes and basically finishes him off. So while she's being talked to by a couple of uh, cops and, you know, they're kind of um, consoling her and, uh, you know, dealing with her trauma or whatnot, Morty and Zevin show up and, hey, we've been looking for you, right? Uh, and they, they take her away. Uh, meanwhile, we're told that there's going to be um, basically a, a, a transport that's going to um, South America that's going to deal with um, – some of the other aspects of this, uh, this SIM program. Um, and maybe that's really what uh, Sigur was after the whole time, right? Like he, he overheard that this plane was leaving and he decides that maybe it's best that he gets out of Dodge uh, as well. So 
kind of an open-ended, strange ending here. Um, as the uh, the plane takes off, you see him there on the bottom of the landing gear. He runs, jumps on it, disappears, and disappears from the comic for years and years and years. So I, I don't know. It felt like a very abrupt ending. It uh, it definitely does feel like there was going to be more. It felt like uh, none of the characters got any kind of like conclusion or resolution. And it seemed like they were actually going to start heading into uh, some kind of overarching uh, story, you know, with him going to, uh, you know, parts unknown and, and looking more into Project Sim. So, you know, it is very open ended, but you just got to take it for what it is. I, I don't know if the series was ended officially or if it was canceled this ending kind of feels like a cancellation. Yeah. Or it might've been that Rick Beach couldn't do it anymore. Maybe they didn't have an artist. Maybe the sales were bad and they did cancel it, but yeah, I mean, it seems really clear to me that, yeah, that they had more planned, but it, it ended rather abruptly. Cause again, at no point does it ever say it's a, it's a mini series and there, there is, there's literally no resolution at all. So uh, there are a couple of unused covers, which again, kind of points to, well, they must've been planning on doing some more stuff if they had all these other covers, um, you know, and the fact that they were, he was headed to like Serbia or South America or something, it wasn't ever quite clear that he was going to be out in some kind of wilderness location where maybe he would have had more of the upper hand as opposed to Saigor, you know, in, in the city, you know, in New York. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's too bad, but in a way it was so creepy and weird that maybe it's not, um, I would have liked to have seen it maybe lean a little more into kind of the tone of Spawn, not trying to be so weird and out there. I mean, because really, you could take Cygor out of the Kali story. You could take him out of the artist story. You could take him out of this story Mm -hmm. and and just expand on either the creepy guy in the car or the artist or the, the Kali, you know, person being infected by that spike or dagger or whatever it is you can yeah. flesh that out more they're not necessarily cygor stories this felt like an anthology of horror stories focusing on serial killers and cygor just happened to be around yeah exactly <laughs> exactly maybe and maybe that's why it didn't work i don't know but yeah. be that as it may it is an interesting experiment he is an interesting character um but yeah, I, I sort of wish that they had gone one way or the other, either lean all the way into the horror and let Rick Feach do some kind of horror anthology for you, Todd, uh, or get somebody that's actually going to write Cyborg. So yeah. um, anyway, any last thoughts on this, uh, Blake, before we call it? I really liked how uh, how Cyborg thinks the, uh, the simple <laughs> words. And then when he needs to pull up some kind of information, it turns into like digital programming speak. And just like seeing how he normally thinks and and how he emotes through those simple words and then how that combines with the uh, the technological aspect, it, it just did it for me. I really liked everything involving Cygor in this series. It's all the other stuff that I'm just like, eh, take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I tend to agree with you. I think that you know, this wasn't at all what I expected. Like, I, I thought we were going to learn a lot more about Cygor. And it, it's kind of what we do learn about Cygor. I think we have to kind of infer. It's not necessarily just presented to us. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a challenging series. Um, 
but I, yeah, he is a fan favorite. So again, that's why we did want to cover it. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Uh, we appreciate the support as always. We'll be back with more Curse of Spawn uh, next time, and then we'll get back to some regular uh, issues of the Spawn series. So uh, once again, we want to thank everybody for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.